Please pray with me. God, help our souls to be still. With whatever we're going through, God, meet us in this place, through the songs that we sing, through the things we hear. Help us to know you through this service today and as we go about our week. We pray these things in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Spirit among us. Amen. When I was little, my family moved from Ballard to unincorporated King County, somewhere between Renton and Issaquah, and there at our new house, we had four acres of land to play on. Some was covered in grass and flowers, but much of it was simply wild fields of blackberries and wild grasses for deers to, deers, deer to bed down on. And the reason why our yard was so big was that most of it was unbuildable. There was a stream that ran through our yard at the back, and in the winter, the waters would rise with the rains and it would overflow its banks, leaving our yard and surrounding property a flood that would come up right to the house. My dad put up sandbags and installed a sump pump so that we wouldn't be flooded each winter when the yard became a swamp. We were even in the Issaquah times for the floods that our yard endured. And my dad did a lot of work on that swamp property. He would spend hours mowing the couple acres that were mowable grass, joking that he could become a professional lawnmower for the mariners he had so much practice. He would plant fruit trees and make sure our blueberry bushes were doing well. And once the floods receded each spring, and once the land was dry, my dad would start walking the yard each evening around dusk. My mom called it surveying his kingdom. <laughs> he would walk around the perimeter of the yard checking on the trees. He would sometimes bring a bowl and pick blackberries to eat. Sometimes he would bring pruning shears to trim a tree branch or two, and he would watch the deer that came through, curious about our vegetable garden. We had to eventually build a six-foot-high fence because they kept getting into our vegetables. My dad would come in from his walks with a sense of peace, knowing that things were in order, being fed by the beauty of our wild yard that yielded such abundant flowers, rivers, fruits, and vegetables. And I imagine this is something like the scene that we find in Genesis 3. God also walked creation at dusk, in the cool of the day and as the sun set. In Genesis 1 and 2, we hear stories of the beginning of things in a liturgical way, kind of like a worship service. It's poetry, and God spoke, and these things happened. And now in Genesis 2 and 3, we begin to see a different style of writing. The story continues to be told, but in other ways and with different details. All these stories and liturgies are passed down orally from generation to generation, written down in times of tumult and war to remind the people of Israel who they were and who their God was. And this story that we read today of God walking the garden would have done just that. It would have reminded the people of Israel who they were and who their God was. And I imagine God surveying his kingdom, breathing in deep and inspecting the trees to make sure they were healthy and well. I imagine God might pick some blackberries and maybe God picked some carrots and savored how sweet and delightful a fresh garden carrot could be. 
And maybe God, too, was fed by the beauty of the wild garden. And when God walked the garden, he also walked with his human creatures, Adam and Eve, getting to know them, building relationships with them, loving them as they lived healthy and well in God's beautiful world. But something happens, we know the story. Something happens that changes things. Conflict comes into our story. Adam and Eve, they meet a serpent who questions God's goodness and trustworthiness. The serpent says, did God really say? And in that question are some other questions like, does God really have your best in mind? Are you sure? Can you really trust God with all that you are? And I think some of us have asked some of these questions too. I certainly have. The serpent casts doubt on the character of the creator. And even though Adam and Eve have experienced life as it should be in the garden, even though they walk with their creator every day in the garden, their eyes are open. And they begin to think that maybe they have the best idea for what their lives should be. They disobey God's plan for their wellness. They decide they know best. And as soon as they take a bite of that piece of fruit they've been told not to eat, they see that they have made a mistake. They see that they are exposed, seen in all their flaws, and they feel ashamed. The first man and the first woman then, our ancestors, they try to hide from their creator and from each other. They disappear among the leaves of the garden. And instead of joining God on their walk through the garden as they do every night in relationship, they hide. In their shame, in their fear, worrying about what God might do. You remember, the serpent did cast doubt on who God is and if God was good. In all of this, they hide. And I don't know about you, but I do love a good hide-and-seek game. My sister and I and the neighbor kids and all our friends would play hide-and-seek, sardines, kick the can, and any other sorts of games that included hiding, tricking, outsmarting, and running faster than one another. One summer evening, we were playing sardines. It might be one of my favorite games. For those of you who don't know what a game of sardines entails, I will tell you, this is what it is like. Myself, my sister, and our friends, we would all count to 100 while one person would go and hide in our backyard. And once we loudly yelled, three, two, one, the games would begin. And we would all hunt for that person hiding, and once you found them, you would join them secretively in their hiding spot, not letting anyone else know hiding with them one by one until everyone is crammed in that tiny space the first hider chose. Thus, the name Sardines. The last one to find everyone hides for the next round. And it was all fun and games that summer evening playing Sardines in the backyard until we kids got in some kind of disagreement. I remember being the problem. I was a creative kid and was always making up games, writing scripts for plays, and choreographing dancing acts for all my friends to learn and perform for our parents. <laughs> it makes sense. And sometimes these friends thought my ideas were good, and we played whatever make-believe game or wild performance that I came up with, but sometimes they did not. And this was one of those times. And this summer evening, I had come up with something, some other harebrained idea for an activity, but that group wanted to keep playing sardines. 
And while I was stubborn, and still am, I was usually okay to go with the flow, that is, until this evening. And while I had decided I wasn't going to budge, so had they. And so we argued. I was nasty to them, and I knew it. I felt bad right away, but wasn't ready to admit it. And so, since I had been the last to find the sardines in the round before, I was sent off to hide, whether I liked it or not. And hide I did. I knew our yard. Hiding was my specialty. I found a new spot, hidden at the very edge of our yard, far away from the house and the lights. I hid in some trees, and I cried there by myself. I cried because I was angry and feeling sensitive. But I also cried because I felt guilty for how I had treated the other kids who were my friends. I hid and I waited. And I waited and I waited and I waited. And dusk settled into darkness. I started to hear the frogs and crickets and I didn't hear my friends' voices because I was so far out in the yard. I sat in the darkness in my shame and sadness and I felt alone. I curled my legs up under me and I began to wonder if I was forgotten and if perhaps they had decided to purposefully not look for me since I had been so mean earlier. But then, then I heard them and they were calling my name. They said, Ellie, where are you? They called across the yard, Ellie! Where did you hide? Come out! Mom has snacks for us. And my stomach growled. I was still a little mad and hurt. And more than anything, I was still a little ashamed and wasn't sure I wanted to face my friends, but they hadn't forgotten about me. They were coming to find me. So I got up. I got up out of the plants and up off the grass that was starting to feel cool after the heat of the summer day, and I stepped out into the open and I started walking towards them. And now my friends, once they saw me, they came running. They said, we didn't know where you had hidden. And they said, where were you? We couldn't find you. And they were still a little mad at me, I could tell. Through my tears, I told them that I was sorry. They didn't know what to say, but they wrapped me in a hug, and they took me inside. My mom had a spread of snacks out for us once we went inside, blackberries and blueberries and carrots from the garden, maybe some graham cracker and frosting sandwiches. And there is something about good food with good people. It heals the soul. After the snacks, all was well. And I was welcomed back. I wasn't sent away. I could still play with them. They hadn't forgotten me. I had hidden but it had been worth it to step out into the open, even in my shame. And Adam and Eve took, uh, did the same thing. They came out from hiding among the trees as well. As soon as God comes walking in the garden again and tries to find them, God's beloveds, God calls them out into the open. God draws them out and gets them to tell their stories to him. They are both dealing with shame. They both blame someone else. But they tell God what they had done. They were confused and afraid about what God would do. They had never experienced this before. They didn't trust each other or themselves or God to treat them right. But they stepped out and they looked fear in the face and they, became, they came before their creator. And Adam and Eve did have consequences. When we hurt others and ourselves and go away from what God has created for us to be healthy and whole, bad things, they will come. 
These consequences were less of a punishment from God. They weren't prescriptive of how things should be. These things instead were descriptive of how things are after sin, how things would happen when we went away from God's plan. There would be pain, we would work hard, there would be hierarchy and sexism. But despite the consequences that did come, God still came for Adam and for Eve like my friends came looking for me. Eve and Adam were afraid, but God searched for them. Eve and Adam had gone against God's directions for healthy living, but God searched for them. Adam and Eve were ashamed in this story, but God still searched for them. And they don't leave the garden alone. There are consequences, but God made them clothing even, providing for their needs. They were still in relationship with each other and with their creator. And you may be thinking, isn't it good to feel some shame? To know that you've done something wrong? Isn't it good to know that we should change something about ourselves? And yes, it's good to know that we have done something wrong and that we could change something to move forward in goodness and in justice and mercy and peace. But Brene Brown, an author who has researched shame and vulnerability, defines shame in this way instead. She says that guilt is recognizing that we have done something wrong. Guilt is recognizing that an action is bad and making change. But shame, on the other hand, is very different. Shame says that we have done something wrong and we ourselves are wrong or bad. Guilt allows space for change and it doesn't reflect back on ourselves. Guilt is adaptive and it is helpful. Shame is not. It causes us to be paralyzed, to think we're unworthy of love and belonging because of something we have done. Shame makes us hide. Have you ever felt shame that you didn't think that you could bear? Something that made you think that perhaps if you ever came clean, ever came out of the trees and showed yourself, perhaps your people, they would leave you? Perhaps you wonder if God might too. Sometimes we have a shame that keeps us in the trees, away from others, away from God, and even away from our healthy selves. Maybe this shame you have is something you did that wasn't in God's plan of healthy living for you, and you hide. Maybe you feel like it is far too late. Too late to be well or too late to be free from your shame and get back to healthy living. Maybe you think that just too much has happened. And shame can come from external things too. Maybe you've come to believe that you being you is too much or too little for people and that makes you hide too. Maybe shame has come up after something someone has said to you or about you. It can come after realizing that we are not whatever standard is held before us, ridiculous body, wealth, smarts, or any other standards in our world. We feel shame from external things, too. But whatever the instigator, shame makes us believe that we have nothing to offer this world. Shame makes us move internally and believe that we ourselves are bad. It makes us be afraid to be ourselves with what we bring to the table. It makes us afraid to fail instead of knowing that failure is simply what it means to be human. 
Shame in our culture can cause us to disappear and not be seen anymore, be hurt further. We remove ourselves from a relationship and we silence our own voices. Shame makes us hide, makes us unable to step from the trees sometimes and come before our creator. But Brene Brown and all the research (laughs) tells us that shame can only be reversed when we come clean about it in a safe relationship. Now there are times and places for coming out of the trees and being vulnerable, and there are moments when we cannot tell of our shame. There will be unsafe people and places who do not deserve all of our glory, who do not deserve that vulnerability. But when we are ashamed, we cannot hide like Eve and Adam. We cannot hide forever in the backyard trees while our friends search for us. We must accept God's invitation to come out of hiding, to tell the truth about our shame in a safe company and be heard by God and by others who love us. This is how we get well. We must welcome the consequences of our sin if what we are ashamed about is that. Sometimes we're ashamed of how we are created or of something someone has said or done to us or because bad theology has been told to us and not our sins. But regardless of the reason, we must accept the empathy and care of God and others on our behalf and be welcomed back into relationship, welcomed back into community, our imperfections and all. We become unashamed by knowing that we are loved. I think self-hatred and shame is an epidemic among us. But God says at the very beginning that we are very good. Despite Adam and Eve's sin, the truth of who they are, it is not removed from them. God made them very good and they are still very good. God doesn't rescind this truth after they have hidden in the trees. And God says the same to us. We are very good. Jesus assumes that we love ourselves already when he says we must love others as we love ourselves. It is assumed. It is written there. And I think the way to heal self-hatred is not to say, you are perfect, you have done nothing wrong, you are without flaw. We know these things aren't true. The way to heal self-hatred is to tell the truth, to say to ourselves and to others, I see you. I know you. Despite it all and in celebration of it all, I love you. We need to hear these words from people who love us. Us being us is very good. We each know that we have messed up and have cause for guilt, but we will not allow it to turn into shame. We may not all be people, we may not be all people should tell tell us we should be, but we have no cause for shame. We can hold on to the truth and listen to our creator as he calls to us as we hide among the trees. We can know that our creator will never stop seeking us out and saying, where are you? Come back. Our desire to hide won't stop the seeker who comes after us and finds us and takes care of us and listens to us. I imagine, I hope too, that after a long round of hide and seek with God, that once we are found, once we come out of the trees and tell God our story, I imagine 
I hope that God wraps us in a big hug and takes us home to eat some good snacks. Amen.